church, let's continue to hear the word of our Father as we rise from our seats. Even as we hear the scripture reading, we believe that God speaks through his word. And so let's hear the word of our Father. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain and found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, "Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly." And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, "Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth." And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, "Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech." So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. In Acts chapter two, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, "Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Both Jews, proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please have a seat. Good morning, Kids PC. It's always good to see you. Uh, can you turn to the person next to you and say, "Welcome. You look beautiful today." Uh, for those of you who are fathers, Happy Father's Day! If you are a father, you can now go to your Amazon cart <laughs> and finally purchase that and quietly, without your wife knowing, pay it back for four months. <laughs> But in all honesty, uh, Happy Father's Day. Uh, fathers are precious—a precious gift from God the Father—and uh, we really must take this time. Let's take ten seconds to thank God our Father. Hasn't He been so good to us? Amen. Let's thank Him. God, thank you. Father, thank you. Yes, Lord. Time for one announcement. Uh, keep up with the trail of questions I'm asking. Is there such a thing as truth? If there isn't. Is that true? Now, if there is truth, can human beings know the truth? If not, how do you know that truth? If we can know the truth, where does that truth come from? Not intuition, not experience, not perception, 
but from revelation. If so, which revelation is true? Christianity, the Bible, uh, Hinduism, uh, the sacred texts of any other religion? Which one is true? How do we know which one is true? And then, if one of them is true, how then should I conduct my political life, my sexual life, my cultural life, my daily life? If there's any inconsistency in how I live with that revelation, revealed truth, then how then should I live? By discipleship, training your body into conformity and consistency with that truth. And is there an inherent mechanism within that revelation that tells us to go out and preach that truth? If there is, we must know how to evangelize. If you want to know what this is about, please come to the apologetics class. <laughs> starting, second, uh, starting second week of July, uh, Wednesday nights uh, for eight weeks, please come. And I pray that there will be a beautiful consistency between your heart, your mind, your hands, and how we live. With that said, um, and speaking of Father's Day, Pastor Sam uh, recently gave birth to his son. Can we all give him a round of applause? He's not here right now. He needs some rest. Uh, I will speak on his behalf. He didn't say this, but I am saying this out of my own accord. He accepts Venmo, <laughs> and you can go to his house to give him some food. Please take care of him. He has served you well. Okay. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we approach your word out of a deep sincerity to know, Father, what do you want for my life? There has been such a blockade of communication and we rarely open our hearts to your word. And even when we hear what you say, we often continue our lives in disobedience and the blockade just grows bigger. And Father, we once again come before you repenting of the calluses on our hearts and our ears that keep us from listening to you. And Father, we ask, please speak to us today. We know that your word is living and alive and sharp and active, and it can pierce through every layer of resistance I offer to you. Please, despite who I am, speak to me. And Father, when that is the case, may the Holy Spirit whisper unto them mysteries beyond mysteries that are already revealed in Christ. And when we hear of those, may we be greatly blessed beyond all comprehension. May there be a breathtaking way and a future and a way of life and a mission that we can live for, that you call us towards. Father, all of this is only once again possible through your spirit. I humbly rely upon you to open my mouth, that you would speak, and I would submit to your word. And may that be a blessing to all of our people here who are here to worship you and to know you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I see a lot of new faces today. Um, I don't know who you are or where you're from. Uh, but you are welcome in the name of Jesus. Um, I'm reminded of, you know, the beggar uh, sitting, be, uh, sitting before um, when Peter uh, and his co-worker comes. And the beggar is looking to Peter, thinking what he'll get from that person because he's, you know, uh, crippled. And I'm reminded of what Peter said is, I don't have silver, I don't have gold. A lot of people might be here right now looking for some kind of direct answer or direct ointment for the pain in their lives, relief of stress, or some, you know, making some sense out of reality right now. Maybe you're here for different reasons. Um, but I can tell you, we're not necessarily known for our coffee, <laughs> not necessarily known for, you know, uh, the most flashy, you know, services. Um, 
I love all the people here. The leaders here are great. But like me, we're all sinners. Uh, We can't offer the best people in the world. What do we offer? What Peter says is, what I do have, I offer you. In the name of Jesus, stand. And then may power fill your lives. May meaning and purpose uh, fill your veins with strength and energy. And may your soul be revived in regeneration, that you be saved to the uttermost, that you would hear the name of Jesus and respond even today. And I'm saying this really from the start because I don't know when I'm going to see you again. We'll see each other in heaven, I hope and I pray. But please listen to the gospel and respond accordingly and responsibly. With that said, we are now continuing our series on the mission of God. We're tracing the story of humanity So Adam and Eve received a cultural mandate to rule over the creation as images of God, to flourish and to subdue the earth in Christ-likeness and God-likeness. And that mission fails because of sin. And so now we have two strands of humanity. One strand continues and continues, for example, through Cain and Tubal-Cain and the development of metallurgy and, and agriculture and sound and music. And they have wonderful culture and technology coming from this line, and they continue. And then you have another line who calls upon the name of the Lord under Seth. And it's not an exaggeration to say that only those two types of people exist today. We're not classified by race or ethnicity or by our preferences or by what we internally identify as. We are classified by whether we continue without the relationship with God in developing our own lives or whether we, despite not having what we need right now, we call upon the name of the Lord. And today we are seeing the climax of full human technological development and cultural and and urban development. And we see where this picture leads. And then after this in the Mission of God series, we are launching into all the covenants of God with the people that he has called to develop and flourish not under human ingenuity or technology or their own understanding, but under God's promises until the Messiah is born. And then all the people shall call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Amen. Do you see the huge, ancient historical flow that we're going through? This is a huge matter. And somehow every sermon, including today, I'm able to end with the story of my children and Legos. (laughs) This is deeply practical, but deeply huge. And it's meant for all of you in every walk of life. One gospel for all walks of life. So where are we? We see the final conclusion What it is for those who cultivate the world without a restored relationship with God. Building, as we say, I'll be saying this very often, building a kingdom without a king. Wanting the benefits of a perfectly ruled creation without having a relationship with God the Father. We see what the end picture is. The Tower of Babel. I might jump back and forth and mispronounce it. I might call it Babel or Babel. We'll see. Was built by a unified humanity who spoke the same language. How powerful is that, that they have one humanity who speaks the same language, probably the same culture, and how efficient everything must be. They wanted to build a tower to reach the skies. Why did they want to build this tower, though? Once again, we're asking the same question. Is cultural and urban and technological development good apart from God? Well, here's the thing. The city itself is morally neutral. We can't put a price on it or a moral value on it. But here's what we can see. Verse 4. Why are they building this? Come. Let's look at verse 4. 
Let us build ourselves a city and a tower with this top in the heavens. Here's what they desire. Meaningful and and beautiful work, but apart from God. Not based on a command, but based upon an internal need. What is that need? And let us make a name for ourselves. They want value and purpose apart from God. Why? Lest we be dispersed and scattered upon the, the face of the whole earth for survival. This is post-Eden, post-Garden of Eden. People are not assuming that they will survive and, and, and be with the Lord. But they're assuming that if they don't fight for their survival now, and if they don't uh, unify, we're going to be in trouble and be scattered. So there is a heart of deficiency and fear and anxiety driving technology right now. How many of you are driven by anxiety because of your work? Or how many of you work because of your anxiety? I need to do this to be seen as a successful child to my parents, right? Or I need to do this for my friends to acknowledge how competent I am or how valuable I am or how loved I am. It's the same story at a micro level, but this is a cosmic level that we can see that is meant to speak to us today. Now, the people are building this tower out of a great sense of deficiency in their identity, value, survival. And so today, a lot of people work to obtain this as well, as if we don't have it in Christ. As if these things are earned and not given or inherent within our God-given identity. So the world and culture promises so much in the form of our technological advances and our work, but it never satisfies, does it? How many of you are satisfied to the innermost because of your spreadsheets? Not the case, right? Not the case. What shall we do to escape this curse of working and working and working, but still thirsty, still thirsty, still thirsty? I want us to be freed. So let's look into this. It's interesting to know that the word Babel means confusion in Hebrew, but also possibly in Hebrew, Gate of God. And I love this juxtaposition of a paradoxical term. This is a perfect summary of what our job and our lives mean to us apart from God. It feels like if we try hard enough, we're going to reach the gates of heaven. We're going to create paradise on earth. But once we get there, we're like, we're confused. Is this really it? Is it what we've been living for? Babel encompasses that. I'm confused if this is paradise. Isn't that a summary of your life right now? I'm living in Nova. I have kids. They listen to me pretty well. Uh, I'm surviving off of a decent wage. Is this it? I'm so confused now. I thought intimacy, I would have that perfectly with my wife or my uh, husband. I thought that would satisfy me. Why am I so lonely? Like things like that. I thought my children would satisfy my immigrant dreams of becoming this, and I couldn't satisfy it. They will satisfy it, and they turn out to be angry at me. Is this paradise? Babel, confused efforts to create a kingdom without a king. We're confused. And many people wait all their lives to get married, to not be scattered, but to gather, have children to make a name for themselves, and acquire Passive income, reputation, uh, honor, a tower with its tops reaching to the heaven. But why? 
not because you're joyful at the identity that Christ has given you, but because you're trying to earn a name for yourself. I need to be vindicated. I need a legacy. I need someone to love me. And God is saying, I built that in you when I created you in my image. You have to recover the image, not get to work right now. Do you see that? It's inherent in the original package of creation. We were built for relationship and love to be fully filled by God. But because God is out of the picture, our work is a substitute and a terrible one at that, isn't it? So we are confused and happiness always evades us. Clarity always evades us. You know, I've summarized the life of every person living in Nova right now. You know this. So verse 6, let's see. And the Lord said, Behold, what does God do about this? Does he leave us alone? No, listen to this. Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. They can do anything. Is that bad? God seems to think so. But here's a question. Does God seem threatened right now? No. What is he doing? Like, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit of, knowledge of, of the knowledge of good and evil, why did God put a flaming sword in front of the tree of life? What does that mean? He says, I don't want you to live forever distanced from me. Well, that, is, that is the definition of hell. A life lived forever apart from God and all the benefits that he brings, life and beauty and meaning and purpose, that is hell. Without God development and flourishing and long life is not good. And he's saying the same thing about Babel. Without me overseeing human development, you becoming centralized, effective, efficient, communicative, will send you faster to your destruction. So he's seeing human unification around a bad idea as harmful, and he puts a stop to it. How many of you would say that it's hateful to put a stop sign in front of a freeway so that children don't run into it? And how many of you say it's actually a good job if you tackle a child before he runs into the freeway? God sees us developing and developing in the wrong direction, accelerating and accelerating into destruction, and he stops us. Why? Not out of fear, not because he's threatened, but because he is good. So good that listen to this, and we're going to preach about, I'm going to talk about this in the same Mission of God series in the life of Paul. He will derail your life if your life is headed in the wrong direction. Amen? How many of you have been derailed by grace? Amen? Praise God that he stops us from killing ourselves. And also at a local and a community level, he stops civilizations from killing itself by putting a stopper to it. And then he engages in a covenantal mission to restore everything. What an awesome God. God is so moshiso. How can he be so grand in how he thinks? And he gently and mercifully puts a stop to our destruction. And he sets about a plan for Jesus Christ. It's already 10.50. I'm kind of scared right now. We just started. Um, so, let's look at the slide. This is a picture of Babel Tower. Not historically accurate. <laughs> but Babel Tower stands for being unified in a purpose that is opposed to God. 
usually in the form of self-glorification and self-aggrandizement. Why? Because of a deficiency in what I believe and know about myself. Right? Tim Keller says, the cities are like microphones that amplify the underlying culture. So when a city like Babel is founded upon a bad idea, and more and more people and are exposed to that idea, guess what happens? Cities become one of the most prolific megaphones of, you guess it, bad ideas. And so I call this, uh, this is a made-up word, I call this the babelification of an idea. People gathering around the wrong idea and developing technology, developing resources, developing communication and systems to springboard a bad idea. A lot of your lives are babelified. (laughs) What does that mean? Babelification happens amongst families. Culture today says that when should you get married? You know, let's listen to this. When should you get married? If you are compatible and you vibe. Don't say amen. Why? If it feels good, let's get married is the traditional story. But the problem is, all of you are compatible in your sinfulness. You vibe because you like the sin that you're enjoying together. How many of us drop out of church because we vibe better on Sunday mornings out on a park and fishing instead of spending time with the Lord? And so I say, compatibility is not the only thing you're looking for. Don't babelify your home. Stop building cultures and mechanisms and efficiency in your home to make your children smarter and more talented, but away from the Lord and not knowing who he is. Stop babelifying your family. Stop unifying around wrong ideas. There is a babelification amongst companies which unite around their greed for profit. There's a babelification that occurs in religion where there's a coexist movement that tries to gather and unify religions under truth, not truth, but falsehood. As if God could equal Allah, could equal Vishnu, could equal uh, the humanist God. They are not compatible logically, but we string them together because of a babelification, it's a hard word to say, uh, of, of these ideas. And there's a babelification that occurs amongst nations. The UN babelificating and uniting under man-made power, not under the moral law of God. And God is merciful and glad to scatter these. And let's not go too far. Let's not think about the UN, not companies. He is glad to scatter your family culture if it is in rebellion to him. Ever wonder why you fight so much? Ever wonder why like, things don't really work in creating the perfect family culture? Because God is not involved in it right now. Because you aren't asking Jesus and inquiring him every day. It's babelified. That's the problem. So Babel, Babel is an origin story. The origin for our scattering, for the confusion of languages, for the dis- like, lack of efficiency in our co- collaboration right now is because we all seek the kingdom without the king. And it is better to put a stop to that than to make it more effective. And God says now, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as a gift and not because you're trying hard enough. Amen? Don't you believe that if you seek God and his kingdom, he will give you everything that you're mistakenly looking for in your jobs and in your relationships? Amen? You already have it in Christ 
So why are we living in this world right now? To enjoy and express and have the... I have the heart of God towards the nations to see come and gather so that we can make a name for the Lord and not myself. And we live out of sufficiency and not deficiency. So students who are back from college, stop trying to get that A because your career depends upon it. God will not let you starve. He will set up a life for you that's meaningful. Know Jesus Christ. Stop babblifying your studies. And he will be good to you in your future. Have you ever wondered why things don't stick together? There's no center of gravity around the things that you're doing. And God seems to put a heart, like, halt to everything. Of course, there is suffering for the purpose of sanctification. But I'm talking about philosophical misalignment. Things are not working because you do not seek the things of God. So many people ask, Pastor David, like, why isn't the Holy Spirit helping me? Because it's like, you're trying to get him on board your vision, not the other way around. He's trying to get you on board his vision. It's like, it's like you know, if I was a head of a company and, and you know, my employee goes, uh, hey, uh, boss, I'm going to go on a trip to Hawaii, so I want you to cover uh, the airplane fees, my hotel, my, uh, everything from the food and everything. And I'll be like, why? If he says, this is for the corporate interests of this company, I'll be like, take everything. Represent us well. But if he's saying, I'm going on a personal trip with my girlfriend, I'll be like, get your own money, man. Why do you ask God for his power when you're not living for him? Why do you ask Jesus for the power of the Holy Spirit when, you, when your interests are not aligned with him? Like you never seek his glory and you're like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? That is a babblification of religion. So what is God's mission? Missio Dei, the, the wonderful mission of God. What is that? Acts 2, 1 through 8 and then 11. We, we read it. It just summarizes. Now, all the languages are scattered. There is inefficiency. All the Jews are scattered upon the nation. And they're gathering now all over the world because people who are scattered are now gathering to celebrate something called the Feast of Weeks. 50 days after the Passover. So, 50 days after the Passover, suddenly, the Holy Spirit comes in power. The disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they suddenly gain access to these scattered languages. This is, what, this is how I summarize it. God is once again making human technology and communication and systems once again effective and efficient. Why? I thought he stopped that at Babel. Because something else is happening. In the Genesis passage, people are saying, for my name, for my reputation, for a city that reaches the side so that we wouldn't be scattered. That is the philosophy of Babel. There's another new philosophy being heard here. Verse 11, let's read it. Verse 11. What are they talking about? What is their intention? They are talking about the mighty works of God that deserves to be amplified. Amen? That deserves to be magnified. That deserves to be microphoned into every nation's tongue and language. And then suddenly, God's Spirit himself pushes that agenda forward. And those who are caught in this agenda, they know that they are filled with the Spirit. 
they know that they have the Lord and his power when they pray and ask for it. They know that they cannot fail because God is with them. And so what can the world do to you? There's a transformation that happens. And I'm going to call this the Pentecostalization (laughs) of a new idea. And here's what it means for us. You can unbabbleize your life and Pentecostalize it. We are a PCA church. I'm not saying that you have to start praying in tongue. I want to ask you this question though. Why are they praying in tongue? Not to show salvation. No. They have different tongues to talk about a new message. God is good. Namely, the gospel of Jesus Christ. God saves us even today by sending his son Jesus Christ. That is the mighty work that if you hold in your mouth, God will help you learn Chinese in six weeks. It's so easy. I, that, I, I personally led Bible studies in Chinese, and once I came back, I forgot it all. <laughs> because God used my mouth as a mouthpiece for a temporary time because I had the mission and the glory of God in my mouth. I wanted to say it, and he was like, go, talk, open your mouth. Haven't you felt that in missions before? Haven't you felt that when you evangelized? Haven't you experienced that when you went out to glorify God and brag about him? That's the answer to all of you guys saying, why isn't the Spirit helping me? I promise you, go out, go to Centerville, go to H Mart, and talk about God's glory right now. See what he does for you. In the least, I always have joy upon joy whenever I evangelize. There's so much happiness that I can't get from my hobbies. The joy that escapes you in babblification, you receive at Pentecostalization. When you renew your mission for the mission of God, to reach the nations with the gospel. So this is the mission of God. Let's look at the slide. What we've covered so far in three weeks, and this will turn into 12 bullet points. Because when I say, what is the mission of God? I don't want you to just say, evangelize. That is too... Too small. The whole mission of God is extremely holistic. Number one, he wants you to be made in his image and rule over the world and flourish as his image, as his ambassadors. We fell from that because of sin. Now he is redeeming a people, number one, through Seth, who call upon his name. Now through this line, um, now through the Pentecost, God is now calling people who proclaim the gospel. All of you, not just pastors, all of you must proclaim the gospel. Otherwise, let me just be bluntly honest about what your state is. If you do not proclaim the gospel, you are subhuman. Do you understand that? You are not fully the image of God yet. You haven't recovered the full intent and design behind God's image. You are subhuman. Only Jesus was fully human. If you are not proclaiming the gospel... I'm not saying shame on you, like you need to try harder, you need to, you know, you, you need to, you know, like really pick yourself up. I'm not trying to say that. I'm trying to say fulfill your identity and destiny. And part of that is proclaiming the mighty works of God in Christ Jesus. Can you be challenged right now? Without that message on your lips, you are, you're broken. I'm sorry, you're broken. No wonder nothing else works. Because the agent is broken and compromised, nothing else works. If this happened, 
none of you would come to me for counseling. If you live for God's purpose and you're filled with the Holy Spirit and the joy of the Lord and you're always engaged in mission and you saw a broken world and you had a different solution than the, what the world provides, you would not be receiving counseling from me. You would be out there showing the world who God is and Pentecostalizing the whole world. That is mission to fulfill our human identity. I want to make a promise today. Go to your unbelieving spouse tonight or your neighbor or your relative to share the gospel. Don't be surprised that the Holy Spirit fills you with his gifts. A lot of you might be, you know, on an inward journey right now and you're like, why am I not so mature? Why am I, why do I lack moral fiber and character and why am I so impatient? And you try to develop it through best practices, self-help books, counseling, YouTube videos. You're not going to find it there. Listen to this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. All the things that you desire for your moral growth is in the Spirit. When do you get the Spirit? When you are on the same mission. Born again by the Spirit of God. Breathe life to, into your dead lives so that you can now live with a new message in your mouth. Not for the glory of man, but for the glory of God I shall live. And the, for the glory of God I shall speak. Then the Holy Spirit gives you his gifts and his fruit. There shall be no want. What does this mean? In your homes, have you ever noticed when you fight with your spouse, you're speaking the same language, but you still don't understand each other? We're not talking about the scattering of languages. We're talking about the same language. But why does that conflict happen? Because you're talking about unmet needs and my egotistical desires and my self a preservation is because you are still glorifying yourself just like Babel that you're separated even if you speak the same language but try this this is a guarantee I make to all the people who take my marital, premarital counseling course pray together and worship God for 15 nights 15 minutes a day and there's peace and love and intimacy without a single word said there's no language necessary then. Uh, that's just a guarantee try it uh, if you uh, want a refund, <laughs> let's talk. In Christ Jesus, if you talk about the grace that God has given to you, see how God literally undoes Babel Tower and he Pentecostalizes your life and he gives fuel to your life. I've seen him give tremendous amounts of money to people who basically said, I don't need money for your kingdom. And God's like, take more, take more. <laughs> when Ilya gives uh, Ethan like a seokang, I'm like, take more then because you distribute to your, to your brethren. <laughs> take more then. And if you live for God's kingdom, he'll be like, take more. My gates are open. I'll give you more. Just take more because you have the right mission and you are heading humanity in the right direction. Don't you want to be in that game and that way of life, amen? It's really funny. This is where the Lego story comes again. My children uh, make huge Lego pieces, and then someone destroys it, scatters it. And uh, then they have to clean, clean up. Uh, but there's just so much to clean up. And so, 
what they do is, as they clean up, they sing a song. It's almost like, like you know, Israelite slaves in Egypt, like singing as they work. And they sing a Korean uh, gospel song. This is what they sing. <laughs> so what does that mean in English? God is working. God is working. For those who spare nothing for his cause, they know this whole sermon at this point. Somehow, through the lyrics, three lines of a song, God works, God works, for those who spare nothing for his cause. Don't you want that power working for your lives instead of you working for your own cause and drying out, being scattered, hopeless, confused, almost at the gate of heaven, but so far away. God works for those who spare no cost for him, for his cause. You don't need to build your empire. This is what I'm trying to say. There's so much work to be done. Yes, we want to make everything efficient, regain control, have a beautiful life. But Christians who know that we live for another mission to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, we work while singing. So a lot to do, but we sing. God is working. God is working. God is working. And so, brothers and sisters, if you recover a relationship with God as your father and your king, you do not need to build your empire. Jesus says, I'm going, and I'm going to prepare a house with many rooms for you. My father has already prepared it. Everything you need. That's why David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall have no want. So, what does a life of a spirit-filled Christian on the right mission look like? We're going to act with, uh, end with this. Acts 28. So, Acts 2, they receive the Spirit. And Acts 28 is the final chapter. We're going to look at it. Acts 28, 30 to 31. Paul lived there for two whole years in house arrest at his own expense and welcomed all those who came in, proclaiming the kingdom of God, proclaiming the right message and the kingdom of God, teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Listen to this. Paul is now living like what? What do you see there? He's living like a soon leader. (laughs) He's tied to a job. He's tied to, you know, uh, political persecution. He's tied. No, we're tied to children. We're tied to our jobs. We're tied to so many things. And yet, we are not hindered. We have boldness. Even though we're tied down, God is working. Therefore, I can, at my own expense, invite people to my home, proclaim the right message about the kingdom of God and not the mightiness of man, but the mighty works of God. And the last word in, in, in the Greek, unhindered, not hindered, it means, in, it's one word in Greek, is akolutos. Akolutos. A is a negating word, and kolutos means bound. And so akolutos means not hindered. Why is that the last word of the book of Acts? Because it means the conclusion of a life lived for Jesus is unhindered. One more time. The conclusion of a life filled with the Spirit on the right mission, live for the glory of Jesus, is unhindered despite the chains on your legs, 
Despite the pressures you feel in Nova, despite the lack of resources, you are not hindered because the power of the Spirit works when you spare no cost for his cause. Free. I want you to be free from the curse of building your own little empires. I've seen your Babel Towers. It's nothing to be proud of. It's very short. You haven't reached too high. And you're working with like one other person as a co- like partner, and it's not working between two of you. Your families can't agree upon a family direction. Give it to the Lord. Amen? Give it to the Lord. Live for his mission. Be filled with the Spirit, and he will Pentecostalize the babylification of your home. This will sound like a mess, just, you know, with, apart from the context. But he will do his mission through his Spirit. Isn't that how we want to live? Will you live for the correct mission? Yes? Can you actually raise your hands? I don't do this too much. This is not an altar call. You're not being saved by doing this. Can you live for God's mission? Jesus worked through 11. This is more than enough. (laughs) Let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us for the babblification of my life, my story, my mission, my family. I always try and try and try to build up a life that I cannot sustain out of a sense of great deficiency. But thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, where when Jesus carried the cross, he didn't just restore unto us our identity, but he gave us a sufficiency that frees us from the curse of a life of futility. Thank you that our lives are not lived in vain now, but supplied by the power and the joy of the Lord and the resources of the Holy Spirit. I can now not live for my survival, but live for the survival and the flourishing of other images of God who need to meet Jesus Christ, their Savior. So, Father, I pray that you would pour upon us a heart of evangelism today that we would be racing through the corners of our church, not looking for a hot dog, not looking for the next meal, not looking for the next uplifting conversation, but help our eyes wander and wander and wander until we find a person that is not saved, that is still building their Babel Tower, and may we proclaim to them, may the Spirit fill your needs. May God give you the desires of your heart because you are connected with them in reconciliation and power. And may you receive the cross of Jesus Christ, that you would be saved from sin, saved from the babblification of your life. And may you now live holding hands with me for a new reason and a new mission. Yes, it's tough. Yes, there are chains on my feet. Yes, I still have a family and a job, but I am unhindered because God is working, because I spare nothing for his mission. May that be the war cry of KCPC. And may we be so radically different from a self-preserving world that people would see your glory and praise you forever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.